0: Welcome to the Fat Games Podcast. Uh, on this episode, we have some very great guests, uh, like virtually everyone else we've had on the podcast so far. They're indie game developers, and they're also fellow Gumbos uh, from the Gumbo De- uh, Game Dev Cooperative. Uh, I'd like to welcome John and Vincent from Cheap Ramen Games. Thanks for coming, guys. Of course. Thanks, yeah. for, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, how are you that. doing? Pretty good. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. It's a fine Monday. It's a fine Monday. Yeah. Alrighty. Usually we record on yeah. Wednesdays, but uh, yeah, the hurricane, at least by the time this airs, the hurricane will be over by several weeks. Um, <laughs> I didn't even hear
1: about this hurricane you guys are having until you just mentioned the word hurricane just now.
0: Hurricane Henry, I think.
1: Yeah, it's like Tropical Storm Henry. Oh, yeah. This point tropical Storm something?
0: downgraded. Yeah. Yeah.
1: By the oh, way, just me staying inside, Henry.
0: That's. Yeah. Staying out of the rain. Yeah. So, um, do you guys want to start by giving us a little bit of a little bit about your background, telling us uh, how you got into the wonderful indie game making racket. Yeah.
2: I guess I'll go first because my yeah. I guess mine would lead into Finitz probably. Uh, maybe we'll see what happens. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I was. Um, teaching I was making games on my own and like teaching in uh, game development for many years um at like a bunch of different schools uh, I was at the New York Film Academy and the Advanced Media Vocational Academy out in LA and uh I did a bunch of like small after-school programs here teaching kids how to code and make games um but I, I always like made games on my own and then uh just, uh, I worked at, my last job was at Normal, uh, the virtual reality company, making games there. And uh, after uh, losing a friend who was also a game developer, uh, I decided to just jump out of working for other people and do my own thing. Um, so, yeah, so several several years.
0: You say you were from L.A., or you live
2: there? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I lived there for, like, a year, but I am very... New York.
0: Uh, very nice. Yeah. So you mentioned something
1: already coming out the New York. <laughs> uh, nice.
0: Very much now, LA. Yeah. So you mentioned you lost a friend. Is that
2: was that Jose? That was Jose. Uh, we were business partners, uh, me, him and Rob. Uh, oh, wow. So at the, the New York Film Academy, um, we, he was actually a student there at the time, so I met him through like playcrafting stuff. He took the class there, and I was always just running into him, and he was like so friendly. You could not like him. Uh, and then him and Rob were working together, and he was a student in the animation program, and I was teaching the games program, and we kept talking, and then they asked me to join their studio. So uh, yeah, uh-huh. we were partners for like two years and released a game together, uh, and then they so- started doing... Uh, commercial projects and i did you work on. on don't look away i did not i came on okay. right after that uh okay. i worked on the take
0: okay oh yeah i i never played that one but okay yeah so i guess i was familiar with your work before i was familiar with you <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good thing right
2: yeah
0: <laughs> they were never really uh talked about jose on the podcast yet and i don't know if it's uh Great time to get into it, but Jose, for for our listeners, Jose was someone who was part of the indie game community here in New York and unfortunately lost his life uh, a couple of years ago almost. Wow, it's been, time flies. Uh, Anyway, half your note, how are you doing, Bennett? (laughs) Good, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, doing okay. I can get into my background a bit, it overlaps with John, Um, but I am uh i've kind of been into games forever just like everybody else in indie uh for me it was just like i remember watching in high school that like dev diary for halo 2 and being like oh, i gotta get into games and in college i interviewed with bungie <laughs> i was like hey man like this has been my dream to to work at bungie uh, specifically because you worked on halo 2 and he was like yeah i mean no it's fine <laughs> like, it's, it's nothing nothing too great and that interview was just like the most low energy thing so it kind of put me off getting into game development at least like AAA development for a while but I knew I wanted to do it so uh, I was like close to turning 30 at the time and I was like I gotta I gotta do this I'm in New York there's got to be something around here and uh, so like I I went to a bunch of meetups and um, like other events and I think I even joined like E's uh, meetup they're like I, I don't know if she's part of the ice cream social or she had another meetup going on but I, I then took that playcrafting course. Is um, it 2019? i will say the yeah. 2019 playcrafting course. Uh, and that was the one, uh, they had an info session. Rob and Jose um, were both doing the info session at the time. And Jose was actually the reason why I joined because I I, I kind of, I come from a technical background. So I, I'm a coder and I knew I could always code. But Jose's big thing about taking that class was about, the business side of things. And his pitch for the class was when you, when you take the class, you're gonna be introduced to like this huge network of people. And that was kind of what turned me on to it. He was like, I, he was gonna take on teaching like the business side of things and meeting other people. And that sort of, that was where I was lacking. Um, and so unfortunately Jose had passed away and John had come on as a, as a kind of substitute teacher at the time. And that's how John and I had met, uh, but I had taken that class with the intention of starting my own studio. Um, and so John and I got in, we decided to work on what was like a, a game jam. Yeah. Kind Just of to make uh, sure
2: that we didn't fully hate each other. Right. So, yeah. That's a smart idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we did a game jam. It was like into the pandemic. I think it was about a couple months into the pandemic. Um, and after that game jam, John had reached out and asked if I wanted to work on this project he was thinking about, uh, and the rest is kind of history.
0: So your partnership is then fairly new then it's, this doesn't yeah. go back years and years so now john you said you did a lot of like game dev teaching and, mm-hmm. and stuff did, have you always worked in the kind of games area or even kind of games adjacent or did you have some other job before all before this craziness
2: uh i've had lots of jobs uh <laughs> uh yeah so i mean most mostly games, right? Uh, that's what I love to do, um, and yeah. So I uh, I worked like um, like I went to college for interactive design and game development, and like right after college, I couldn't find work. I was mostly doing art for games, uh, and then I started learning to program because I no one wants, cares about your art if it's not like this interesting interactive piece. So I started making them interactive. And then uh, I moved out to LA because, um, actually I was interning at uh, Frederator. They were doing like a adventure time uh, and such. And that was like super cool. But Fred who works there, uh, he told me to move out to LA if I want to, if I was serious about games. Really? And then later I found out, he just tells everyone to move out to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I moved out there. Looking to work at one of these bigger studios, um, and then instead I got a job working at this um, at this school, and then I just kept working at different school programs uh, until I was able to uh, build up enough work of my own to then uh, get a job at a studio.
0: Oh, sweet! How are you, Vinny?
1: Uh, this is my first like foray professionally into games. Uh, prior to this, I've I've always been into startups forever, so I right. think. I only had one job. I, I used to work at a trading firm before I moved up to New York. So that was my, like, a non-startupy job that I had So were you like a
0: finance bro?
1: I was. I was still. I was a software developer. I did the trading okay. systems, but yeah, I was uh, definitely surrounded by a lot of finance bros, um, which is like it was good. I, I I knew nothing about money going into it, and it was like <laughs> it's kind of uh, they they teach you super fast. So I I took something away from it, but yeah, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of that. Uh, it's not Wolf of Wall Street, uh, but it's definitely got some of those vibes. Um, yeah, so I had startups for for a long time. I'm actually working, My I have another job that actually helps pay the rent. Um, so I work as a data engineering consultant at a, at a startup that I uh, helped start a little while back, a few years ago, for actually, like right when I moved to New York, it's about five years ago, I've been with them.
0: Well, so, um, but games is uh, where the passion is. Games is where the passion is, yeah. Um, hopefully at some
1: point it'll also pay some bills. But <laughs> until then, yeah, it's just all passion.
0: <laughs> so um... – actually uh and this is i don't i don't want to depress anyone here but um so someone who actually listens to the podcast uh who's also a friend of mine reached out to me and said you know what, i actually really enjoy the podcast however the lesson that i've learned is it, it, becoming an indie game developer is extremely depressing because everyone's poor and it's all a labor of love and i was like hey man we had a couple successful people on <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, I just want to make sure that uh, they're, they're, they're taking away some good stories from this as well. So um, but this is like the greatest uh, we're seeing you guys kind of just basically as you're kind of kicking things off. Right. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you just finished your first game here with with uh Meow Pal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why don't we get into that? Um, so I like that game a lot. I would describe it as a cutesy air hockey game starring cats. Um, but how would you guys describe it? Uh, I mean, it's pretty spot
2: on. Uh, I mean, we definitely say like the, the pitch is, uh, fast paced, uh, sports ish game with cats. Uh, the, the the inspiration for it was actually knock hockey, not air hockey. Mm. Uh, the only reason, <laughs> the only reason being is that the ball comes to a complete stop, right? Whereas oh. air hockey, it still moves low. But uh, and also knock hockey, I feel like is stupider, um, <laughs> okay. it's just because it's like you always uh smash your knuckles uh and get hurt, and it's just people screaming at each other. I feel like air hockey, you keep your distance, right? But um, knock hockey is carom right?
1: Just for the carom. other. Yes. Okay, got it. I don't know if you guys I didn't know what knock hockey is. I was.
0: don't
2: know what it is either, but oh, okay. okay.
0: Well, let's get into that then. Okay.
2: Uh, knock hockey is like, so imagine if air hockey, there's, okay, the, it's pretty much, it's very similar to air hockey, except you use long sticks and it's a wooden puck on a wooden table. And you can like, you can reach pretty far. Um so you'll end up like smashing each other's hands, but also there's a small like wooden block in front of your goal. So you always have to do a shot where um, it bounces off the wall into the goal, which is like a, a very core thing of, of MeowPow is you can never just make a straight shot into the goal. It always has to go at an angle or bounce. I'm just looking so, at like
0: picture this right now. I have seen this before. Where have I seen this before, Blair? Is like a gumbo on the gumbo website or something? Mm-hmm.
1: No, I like remember
0: seeing this in person as a kid. Probably not as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why this game? Yeah. So I, uh, when I
2: was still working at Normal, uh, actually, scratch that. So for like, um, like six months, uh, nights and weekends, uh, I was just uh, like building prototypes. I I build like. In a weekend, I'd build like a stupid idea and uh, show it off some people and be like, what do you guys think of this? And they'd be like, oh, this is cool, but I don't know about this, this, and this. Um, I actually, before moving to Gumbo, had an office with Rob and Jose and I'd often show it to them. Uh, and then I started showing it uh, to my students. Uh, Vineet was actually one of the first people to play Meow Pal in its earliest form uh, oh. where there was just no art, um, but it was, and it was just like super fast paced, hit the ball back and forth. And it was like, okay, what's what's interesting um, about these things because I, re- I knew I wanted to leave my job to do um, to, to do this full time. So uh, I just didn't have anything to work on. by. so I want to make sure the first day of like being on my own, I'm just hitting the ground running with an idea, an idea that has been tested and proven. So it had to fit a few parameters. It had to um, just be like had to be fun, right? I feel like some games aren't necessarily fun, but like deep or whatever. Uh, it had to be something I can accomplish in a year. Um, and I guess that's it. Uh, oh, and it had to be like cheap to make. Uh, so it was like, all right, uh, the plan was no AI, which is why it's local multiplayer, but put AI in anyway. Um, it had to have no story because story would take up more time of development. Uh, and it just had to be like mechanics focused, um, so uh, I kind of came up with this. Uh, I came up with a bunch of ideas. Uh, a first earlier version of, uh, of Meow Pow you would grab the ball and bring it to your own goal. And uh, I actually showed that one to Jose, who then told me, uh, this isn't how soccer works. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, uh, I don't know sports. So uh, that is why you now go to the other goal with the ball. Um <laughs> But yeah, so this seemed like something that was scoped down uh, to a year. It's just like, okay, I, I built it in a weekend, primarily uh, the core gameplay with two controllers. Uh, and after showing it off to a few people, they, they were really into it. So I was just like, all right, cool, let's, uh, let's do this game. Sweet. And when did Vinny get pulled into it? So uh, we had a deal for Labor Day, and the idea was we were uh, Labor Day of 2020. We were like, okay, we're going to start working together. MeowPow should be out by then. Because the idea was it was going to be eight months of development. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started talking to a publisher, and that, like, pushed everything out. Uh, and they wanted to see, like, a build that could be online ready. So I had to, like, re-architect everything. Um, so uh, Vinit came on. He We started working on a different project, Labor Day. And then probably about, about like, November, December. And the idea was, okay, let's, by then we're, like, uh, we're, de- I did, we definitely want to work together as a company because, uh, I would deal with making this, this, uh, other project that we're working on. Uh, it, we didn't necessarily want to like, I didn't want to give up half the company yet. Right. Yeah. The idea was we have a contract. He owns his work. I own my work. Let's work together for like, I think it was six months. And mm-hmm. if six months is good, then we'll just, you know, uh, you know, join as half each half of the company. Uh, And it was going well. So probably about November, December, we're like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to, you know, work together as, you know, business partners. Why don't you come on, help me finish this. We'll get it out the door and then we can do full time on this new project. Um, So, yeah, not not that long ago. I mean, the game only came out in March, but it was still
0: like, I think, 14 months from start to launch. So... You know, it's actually pretty rare, at least that I've seen, or that I've even seen in Gumbo or in Playcraft where two people actually work together and basically start a studio together and well, quite frankly, get along and have the same artistic vision. Because that's not easy. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. everyone generally, especially Gumbo, kind of just wants to do their own thing. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Although there's a lot of uh, husband and wife uh, combos that we've we've seen, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also really interesting because that has its own unique dynamic as well. Yeah. I mean this is like husband and
2: husband. <laughs> husband <Yeah>. and husband. <laughs> we we kind of joke about
1: that is we're business partners, but we like act as each other's second partners. Just because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the nature of the
2: beast. You're uh, so together.
0: spend a lot of time yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a publisher, but you know, doesn't have one That's like, that, that never
2: yeah. kind of did it or did it no it, they uh they kept being like we want we want to see this we want to see this we want to see this and eventually i'm just like i don't you don't get what i'm doing uh right. and it was just like pushing it out to be like a two-year project and i'm like this this project is not something i want to work on for two years
0: right. um
2: so it kind of that whole thing fell apart which is which is fine you know it is what it is. Uh, I'm happy with it. I think Denise's happy with it. It's opened a bunch of doors
0: for us. So it's good. Nice. So you talked a little bit about the development process. Um, now how was like what, what was what was the development of mepel like? Is it straightforward or is there lots of challenges and stuff that you had to sort of sort out? Well so <laughs> so development started
2: uh, in uh, the end of it was like the last week of January 2020. So, uh, you know, no challenges. There's been no challenges the entire year. <laughs> uh, no, no everything. pandemic. No, no, no. Easy. Happened, as could Easy. be. No, it, uh, it sucked. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it, it was cool. I could work from my laptop. Um, but it was like, I, uh, like, the day I was going to put in my, uh, my two weeks, I was let go from my job. So, it, like, it worked out fine. Oh. But it was, like, going into that whole thing. Um, just, okay, like, I got to do this. And then it's like, all right, I'm stuck at home uh, it was weird. Like the, the only like good part about it was, uh, you know, I had my laptop and I could work for my laptop. Um, but the, a big part of it and a big part where I saw screw ups in other studios I've worked with and other projects I've worked on was it didn't get enough outside feedback. Um, it didn't get enough, um, play testing early on. And I really lost out on that. And also I was a solo developer making a four player game.
0: It's hard to kind of test that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and in a way that it was like, oh, this is a like this is local multiplayer, I need to test it, and everyone's in quarantine. It's <laughs> it's like being a solo developer in a multiplayer game is bad enough, but it's like, I see myself and my partner, and uh, she was still working at a restaurant, even though it wasn't open, they were like uh, prepping for another restaurant in the group. So I'd go there and sit at the, the counter and she'd work in the kitchen. And I would just be like, "All right, here's four controllers." And eventually, I got like AI in just so I had someone to play against and so I could record a trailer. Um, but yeah, it sucked. Um, <laughs> I think overall the quality would be better without the pandemic. Um, I'm definitely gonna blame that because I can. Uh, but you know, the idea was to show it off more and get like earlier feedback and just understand like what the players do and don't like continuously of every build i made uh and it you
0: know that just it didn't pan out so um how did uh play nyc go for you guys then because you showed this you showed the game there right yeah yeah right. Vinny, you want to take this one
2: yeah
1: it was great <laughs> <Play> <laughs> NYC was, was uh honestly it was it was really really good because at, we so we after we released Mianpa, we had a couple other projects come up uh, related to it. We got the game uh, in an arcade cabinet at Wonderbill, wow. which was hugely helpful for us. Just because when you're like we had built the game just for Steam, um, so when I came on, like I had helped John uh, go through and redo some of the architecture so that it was ready and stable for for a build out on Steam and. When, uh, when we got into Wonderbill as an arcade cabinet, we realized that a lot of the shit that we had done in the game was, we had to just change it. Because it like, there's, so when you're, when you're on Steam, we can do things like, oh, controller detection, right? So you have controllers that can come up. Uh, we, you have menu systems that appear on a, on a regular game. Whereas in an arcade cabinet, usually there are no menus. Players shouldn't be messing around with settings or anything like that. And things should kind of just work always by default mm-hmm. um, and that was helpful for us because we just took that build and put it at we just set it up for for NYC, and it was there because we had already kind of polished a lot of that stuff for Wonderville so that was that was kind of nice and you know we, we had gone to play NYC just the purpose of that was just meeting people meeting interesting people making connections networking with you know potential other publishers and journalists and other people in the industry and other game devs and so having a game that we didn't have to worry about, a build working ju- you know, just at the last minute was super nice. Not having to we we just left the game out there. Right. We talked to a bunch of people that came up and, and played the game, and it was just very kind of stress-free. So like there there was a good portion of like Sunday where neither John nor I were at the booth and we were just walking around playing everybody else's game and meeting people. And people were still going up to the game and just playing it because it was we had like the attract mode available so people were seeing the trailer running when the game wasn't actually playing and they just go up and pick up controller and play and it was super nice
0: that's awesome so uh you're the second people we've had in the podcast that have had a cabinet set up at wonderville so um are you guys thinking about doing what jonah did and uh try and get something some more cabinets out there or is this just a one-time thing this is this is gonna be a one time thing. Uh, well, so it's we kind of a one
2: it's it's
0: <laughs> well actually so, we'll yeah.
2: that other right, we'll be yeah. at another bar in Brooklyn uh right. next month. We actually have to follow up on that. Um, yeah. but yeah. We did, I,
0: I... for for
1: a hot second, we we seriously considered what that business model would be like if we decided to pivot. Uh, and really it's just you spend a lot of your time doing sales with that kind of thing. Um, and we had some other people that we had reached out to that have sort of these you know at home arcade cabinet like these multicap kind of setups that you could do. but the sort of work that's involved with that since with those you need to have online multiplayer and things like that working and you know building out net code for a free game for that kind of thing it really just't did the numbers would not have worked out in our favor, especially if we're trying to work on this other game. so you know it was super fun and maybe at some point john and i will work on a, a real arcade cabinet game that's just made for that but definitely not in the near future we are going to be at the this. The, I, there's another bar i don't know what the other bar is but we're probably going to be at another bar at some point so Sweet. as long as it's like low uh low effort we'll probably you know put arcade cabinets out but i don't think we're gonna do it anytime soon
2: that's that's our rule for everything
1: if
0: it's low if effort it's we'll low. do it <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah. So um, you mentioned that you made this game free. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, what drove the uh, the free decision? And because, as we know, free is very profitable. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a it's super easy to make a ton of money when your game uh, makes no money. There's some it's, uh, that's how it works. Uh, I don't know. It was actually it was a, it was kind of a tough decision because John had wanted to go in um, when when he was working on the game. He, he had kind of a price point in mind. I think you were thinking like 15 bucks or something like that originally yep. for the game, which is sort of standard for any game of, uh, mm-hmm. of that size. But we... Um, so Gumbo has... And you're, you're part of this player, but we, we have these, you know, bi-weekly or monthly or once every two monthly <laughs> meetings, depending on whatever the mood of the people is. So we do these like stand-up things with other devs at, uh, at Gumbo called Scrumbo. And at one of them we had talked about what, what we had priced the game at and, you know, it had been suggested to us that, you know, maybe put the game out for free because like what we had want, when we had kind of done some of the heuristics for how much money we thought we were going to get from the game, uh, it wasn't going to be a lot. We, you know, it, the Meowpaw wasn't really meant to be a runaway success. It's a local multiplayer game and it doesn't have any net code. Uh, so you're really limiting your audience there. Um, and there wasn't any real single player component to the game. So we knew it wasn't gonna be a ton, um, but the three kind of main things that we wanted to get out of Pow were, uh, one was experience, just like being able to put a game out on Steam and seeing what that whole process was like, because there's kind of a little bit involved in like the back and forth with Steam and you know getting uh, beta keys up and getting builds out there um, and just like building a releasing a game. Um, the second thing that we wanted was a community, just like a group of people that would be interested in the stuff that we're putting out. So when we did eventually make a game that was going to make money, we could, we had people to show the game to kind of right off the bat. Uh, And the third thing that we wanted was some level of clout. So when we talked to publishers, we could let them know that we have some, we have a thing that we made and it, and it has a decent community behind it. It was made with like an intent as opposed to just sort of, Um, It was made with the intent for this to be, you know, a long running business as opposed to just something that was only a passion project. Uh, So given those things, we had kind of in order to optimize the whole like, how do we get as many people to play this game as possible? How do we build that community? Um, We thought free was the right way to go. Um, Just reduce that barrier to entry as much as possible. Um, And it, it seems to have worked out a little bit.
0: What was uh What was your sort of goals with that like, uh Just uh How many downloads, if if I may ask, did you get, or have you gotten so So, far?
1: I think John had kind of put up a goal of he would be happy with something like twenty thousand downloads within the first two months, and we we got that. Um, I think we got to, I don't know what we're at now. I think last time I checked, we're at, I think like two hundred. We were at like two hundred downloads a week, um, but the average playtime is still super minimal. Uh, so like people will download free games; they just won't necessarily open it.
0: Yeah, I got a question on that. Uh, when when you're done, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's basically it's.
0: We found some so using the
1: statistic that Steam gives you, we there's just some really kind of baffling behavior. That happens on Steam.
0: The data is uh, kind of ugly. It, it, they give you the license. Uh, they'll, they'll say we've given away this many licenses, but yes. it doesn't mean anyone's downloaded anything. Because I was trying to figure yeah. that out with Kids of Carandel when I released the demo. We had I had like uh, 3,000 downloads within the first few days, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And I was like, "Look at the I'm like, "What the hell is going on here?" Yes. It was like uh, uh, I had now, but when I clean up the data, there's 22 uh, total active users that have actually played it. But those users oh, gotcha. have actually played it through yeah. all the way through. But so I just, yeah, that's what I really wanted to get. I wanted to see if your experience was was like that too. So do you know how Very many similar totally active users who've actually logged in and played? I think it's 10% of,
2: it was pretty close to about 10% of what our downloads were. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's changed since... Um, but we do like one of the weird things that we found was we're still getting wish lists for the game, which <laughs> doesn't, weird. it. you know, usually you, you wish list the game because you wait for the sale to happen so you can buy it at a cheaper price. But I don't know what a sale for free looks like. It's just,
0: it probably is yeah. not even looking. It's like, oh, that looks good. I'll play it later. Yeah. And I just exactly quick, click on wish list. Yeah. So we, we've
1: racked up the wish lists.
0: Not really any conversion for those. All right, so it just sounds like it's challenging no matter no matter how it goes. Thanks for listening to the Fat Games Podcast. If you like our content, please consider supporting us by liking this episode and subscribing to our channel. Kids of Carindale Radio will return later this month.